Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingbear from the IDP Read and React IDP Podcast right here at TLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. you, chap golly good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, yes, my good man, and of course I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very very cool, Tom, very cool. Um, Well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Read and React. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Man, I don't know if there has been an episode. My, the, the, my streak rolls on of having awesome guests on this show. Uh, but I don't know if I've been this excited in a long time because not only am I bringing on one of my good friends, not only has it been a long time since he's been on here, but he's this this is his return to the fantasy football space. And it has just been long awaited. The, the sun just shine, it just shines brighter when Jesse Reeves is a part of this thing. So the fact that I get to bring you back, like officially bring you back and, and set you back out on, uh, on, on course here in the fantasy football world, Jesse Reeves is it's, it's such an honor and such a pleasure. And, and man, it's just so good to see your face and hear your voice. Oh man. First of all, the, the intro there, I'm fired up, man. I just, just, uh, just the the (laughs) energy coming out of you there. I'm, I'm ready to be here, man. And, um, and thank you for having me, man. I really do appreciate it. This is, you know, my first podcast appearance back in the space. And and I appreciate that there's even people that still want to talk to me out there. So, you know, uh, happy to be here, dude. Happy to be here. Man, there's a spot for you here on the Super Show It, it is as often as you want. Honestly, like come back every freaking week and I'm good. <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> but, I, you know, I... I a big part of it is I just wanted to get to catch up with my friend. Like that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, in, during your hiatus from fantasy football, we were able to catch up from time to time and, you know, talk life, talk, you know, mental health, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Uh, just have some good, meaningful conversations. And, you know, so it, 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 that was nice for me. That was kind of cathartic for me to still have you there. Um, but, it's it's just so it's just it hits different when you see you know the the clap back handle turns into Jesse Reeves FF. <laughs> <laughs> it just, oh man, I loved bringing that back. I will be up up up. My soul was smiling, kind of bringing that back, man. And yeah. um, and and yeah, dude, you were you were one of those people that you know, like you said, we we talked about life and just you know mental health stuff and just being away. I never really got away from you know. The, the space in its entirety. I still followed you. I still followed, you know, people like, um, you know, Ray and Derek and a lot of people, you know, at, at other sites and stuff. And I, 
I never really felt like I left the space and um, any way that I can connect. Like, I mean, I spent a solid three, four years here just doing a, a lot of cool stuff with a lot of cool people. And um, whether it be digitally or not, man, I, I'm, I'm just w- not one to, that that's willing to leave good relationships behind. So it's not like I was going to sever any ties with you or anybody else, man. Totally. Um, and that being said, I mean, it worked out all really in my favor, too, because I mean, coming back into the space, I've had nothing but just an overwhelming sense of support from everybody that, um, you know, whether whatever role you knew me in as, you know, being a player profiler or, you know, Roto Underworld or being at PFF, whenever you gravitated toward, you know, whatever it is that I was doing, those people have come back to support me. And they're also excited about the name change. You know, they're excited to see that turn back into Jesse Reeves FF. And, um, and that's just humbling, man. It's humbling to be here. It's humbling to, to, to see your face. It's humbling just in general to still, uh, feel like I have, you know, a, a little, little sliver of this place that you guys um that you guys have cultivated and grown so much over the past you know six seven eight years you know so uh, i you it's it's still yours man we kept uh we kept your 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 seat warm for you and the mic hot for you yeah yeah i'm ready to i'm ready for these mics to get hot i really am john i'm 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 ready man but um all in all again man i i appreciate you bringing me on dude i'm excited to get into um whatever it is that we get into today whether it be life family football i mean i know everybody is probably listening to this wanting to get into some football uh analysis we'll get to that eventually let let me and john just vibe right now okay yeah exactly (laughs) exactly man i've been giving out so much useful information i'm i I keep bringing on guests who uh, you know everybody knows that i like to talk i'll i do i last off season i spent most of it doing just solo episodes and i was fine with it uh i got some not so nice reviews (laughs) about how long i would talk about quarterback extreme as a strategy and nothing else yeah uh which which you know that's 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 fine. I, I feel like I've been, you know, I I've been good. I've been, you know, I've been doing the song and dance for everybody. I've been giving you all this useful information, bringing on people who know, you know, have other strategies, have other, uh, have, have some wisdom to share. And I just let them go. This one, I get to be self-indulgent here. I feel like this (laughs) is, and, and you know what we, we actually, you know, speaking of that, we need to uh, start off with our action items here real quick. Um, and, and, you know, just so just, you know, for a little bit of context for you, Jesse, essentially what I've been doing the last few weeks is I'll do an action item right up front so that everybody listening, they, they can't say that it was a waste of time to listen to the super show. Regardless, yeah. At least we give them something, right? Give you them got a little something bread- right yeah. up- Give them a little breadcrumb. Give them a little snack, just at the very least, so that if we yeah. do go off the rails, yeah. Listen, we gave you that one thing. We gave you that exactly. one really important, bulletproof, absolutely correct piece of information that you can use. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you take nothing away from the rest of the podcast, you still have to admit you got something. You got an action item. You got something you can go do right now in all your dynasty leagues. So let's do that real quick, so that uh, so it makes it that much easier for us to. Uh, let this take us wherever it's going to go. So I, I'm going to let you start this time. I, I've, I've okay. usually just kind of been trumping everybody else and just throwing mine out first. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm really curious because when I brought this up off air, you you were just like, oh, I got the perfect thing. And I was like, 
all right, I got to hear this. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> let's um, hear it. Yeah, so the action item um, is, you know, pretty much speaking to something that you should do, whether it's buy, sell, or hold, correct? Or, or just something of that nature, more strategy and, and player-oriented like that. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, a couple days ago, um, probably like last week, I wrote a tweet out talking about how um, in Superflex, the most valuable thing you can kind of grab in your rookie drafts is a quarterback because they are going to retain value faster and longer than any other position. So if you're sitting at that one-on-one and you're question, you're, you're questioning, you know, I really like Traylon Burks, but Malik Willis has got a lot of hype. He's got that first round cap and the, he, say he went to Pittsburgh or something like that, where he's going to have pretty much a clear shot. Like they're drafting him to be the starter. Even if you have some sort of hesitation about a guy like Malik Willis, you always want to grab, you're going to grab him right with the one-on-one because he's going to have that value next season. And he's going to have, he's going to be able to retain that value positionally next season and beyond. Even if he has a bad season comparative to a guy like Traylon Burks, who is a lot of, you know, consensus, probably wide receiver one, he could have a prolific season. The gap between those two players come next startup season is going to be probably minimal. If Malik Willis does minimal work too, I think, um, Right now, just looking at some ADP from January, because I do not have February's right now. When we're looking at ADP for quarterbacks, we're seeing uh, Jamar Chase, obviously, in, in about that top 10, top 12 range of overall players that are being taken in all of startups right now. And rightfully so. He's coming off a prolific season. But mm-hmm. uh, no more than five spots later, we're looking at Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance. who Trevor Lawrence is coming off of not even topping a top 24 fantasy season. And Trey Lance, we only saw him for a couple games. We're, yeah. we're only aware that he has some good rushing value and that Kyle Shanahan can scheme him in those in those types of situations. But we have no real beat on what I mean, Trevor Lawrence, we do. We, we've seen the bad. You know, we have we've seen the ugly and the bad. We're waiting to see the good from from um, uh, from the quarterback in, in Jacksonville right now. But Trey Lance is kind of still that question mark. And so is Trevor Lawrence, to, to be fair. Right. But these guys are being taken in the top 20, top 15, if you will. So. My action item is right now for that position. Okay. What I'm doing is I'm fielding and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out some offers for Jordan love. Okay. Mm. Now I don't know what the situation is going to look like for Aaron Rodgers. They green Bay says they're hell bent on bringing him back right now. There's rumors that are flying. Aaron Rodgers had that whole entire offseason dispute where he didn't want to be in green Bay anymore. We, that saga is still kind of up in the air right now. Right. But we don't know any more about Trey Lance than we do about Jordan Love. We saw Jordan Love one game last year, and it wasn't great. I believe if I'm looking at the stats correctly, he threw for um, he threw for roughly just just uh, south of of 200 yards. He threw for a touchdown and interception on 34 attempts, only completed 19. Okay, bad game. I think we could chalk that up to. I mean, that could be him. Or that was just a bad game. We don't have enough of a sample size, right? Yeah. But it feels like his value is greatly depreciated with the ongoing Aaron Rodgers saga. So going back to the point to where these quarterbacks retain value longer over time, it looks like Jordan Love's value has depreciated a lot over this past year with Aaron Rodgers winning another MVP, the entire situation unfolding in Green Bay. And I feel like you can get him kind of cheap right now for a guy that could potentially be starting come September. Why not throw out that, you know, that mid second, see if there's anybody that's willing to bite on that in your super flex league. At least I think that'd be a good starting point. Maybe throw in a package player deal of an older vet or any, you know, and you kind of add him to your roster, uh, insulated a little bit. And you play off of that, that, that value that these super flex quarterbacks have. And my main argument right now is that we haven't seen much more. We've seen the bad from Trevor Lawrence and we're still drafting him 
in that top 20 slot. Same thing with, with Trey Lance. We haven't seen enough from Trey Lance. We don't know what we don't know. And we don't know if Jordan Love is bad. All of the signs to me point like, let's go let's go float some offers out to that Jordan Love offer or that Jordan Love um, manager. And let's let's get him on our roster because he's worth the dart throw in from a high value position. And I really like that play right there. Um, I've done it. Uh, I've, I've actually drafted him as startup. Um, recently at what I think is a pretty good, pretty good spot. And um, I'm just kind of floating offers out to see if anybody wants to wants to give me their Jordan Love shares because I'm willing to to buy into that position as well as the unknown. And um, it just seems right now that his value is like really, really depreciated. So that's a good one. Yeah. I, be, and just knowing and I don't even have the ADP pulled up. I should. But uh, I his ADP because I've 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 accumulated some ADP here. We did a couple mock drafts that included 2022 rookie picks so that we've got that ADP that we can kind of yeah. we can kind of show like this is this is kind of where this pick is going here some of the players in that area it's a late second early third for Jordan Love like yeah. that's that's where he's going in a startup now i mean obviously like we talk about this all the time startup you know adp and post startup value are two very different things mm-hmm. but still i mean that just kind of it indicates that you can probably get Jordan Love for a late second round pick where you're not getting a starting quarterback as a mm-hmm. rookie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're going to be off the board. But even if Desmond Ritter somehow lands in a spot where he's going to be a, a first year starter, that's going to shoot his ADP all the way up to, you know, early second round. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I I really just, you know, I think I think the main argument there is just we're seeing guys that we know have already had a bad fantasy season. um, And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's coming in with another another head coach, another system that's going to be brought to him. Trey Lance, for some reason, was just not good enough to take over the job from Jimmy G, whether that be Shanahan's own preference or whatever it may be. Um, But we're taking these guys with top 20 premium picks in, you know, late late um late first round early second round and we're just kind of leaving you know these guys you know hey you know the meme of the of um of uh andy dropping woody and he's just, i don't really want to play with you anymore it's like we mm-hmm. you know we had a high hopes for for jordan love and it's like kind of that meme now we don't really want to play with you anymore and it's like this is a perfect opportunity for you to go and snag that insulate your roster a little bit for a, a guy that has been sitting behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and we know that he's what roughly 23 24 right now and mm-hmm. he's 23 years old the, the the expectation for quarterbacks is that they're going to be playing for a decade after 23 and and so if if he does become the starter and he is even just mediocre at best i think he returns value off of off of an early second late second early third round i mean that's that's a dart throw i'm willing to take 10 out of 10 times man i will absolutely buy into that yeah yeah definitely i man I could take that so many different ways. And uh, uh, I'm just going to get mine out out there so that we can move on with the conversation, though. Um, I'm selling Christian McCaffrey. Like, let's just uh, let's just make it official already. I've been on Twitter fighting this fight. The injury risk is no longer like that should be baked into his value to a point where he should be depreciated well below, you know, the running back one running back two type of value that that. Uh, he's currently getting, you know, th- we're we're talking about five of his last eight games. He had significant injuries, soft tissue injuries, 
four of them were lower body. Now, <laughs> people love to say that those are unrelated, right? They like to they like to talk about you know ACL injuries and then the compensatory injuries that go along with that. But they'll tell you that they love to tell you that no, Christian McCaffrey rolled his ankle and then you know he strained his hamstring. And then, you know, there was something with a thigh or something and, you know, all these, all these different things and, and just totally missing the fact that this is, we're talking about a mechanism where all these parts are working together. And when you, when you strain one part of the machine, the rest of the machine necessarily changes the way it operates. So yes, these are related injuries, soft tissue, lower body injuries. Those are all related and it's showing as they accumulate more and more for Christian McCaffrey. So like this is this, no, I don't have a degree on the freaking wall, but I'm telling you (laughs) as somebody with two legs, it's free. It, it, it changes the way you run once you, you get one of those injuries. So the fact that people are just kind of expecting him to go back to, you know, running back one overall number one, overall, you know, fantasy producer, without missing any time, just kind of taking for granted that he's, yeah, for sure. He's going to just be healthy all season. He hasn't done it in two years. Not even close. In fact, he's missed, you know, twice as many games as he's played over the last two years. So, but we're just, yeah, now he's just miraculously going to be perfectly healthy because all those injuries were totally unrelated. It's not, it's not degenerative. It's not cumulative and it's not predictive. BS. (laughs) BS. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Especially just for what you have to spend to get him. That's that's my big argument. Yeah. Like, yeah. I totally agree with you there. And, and I think even if we just take out the the injury argument as well, I mean, he's starting to hit that curve. Right. And I don't have the chart in front of me, but we're starting to hit these. He's 25 years old now. At best, we're looking. <laughs> excuse me. At best, we're looking at fully healthy back to being Christian McCaffrey at like the absolute best three more like RB one seasons. Right yeah. now. I mean, that's if everything unfolds for him correctly is he comes back from injury and he just, he just looks like he's, you know, he's Christian McCaffrey of old right now is that time to just is while he still has what I think you can probably grab a mid to late first for from somebody who's really, you know, invested in McCaffrey and maybe is in a win now situation. Why not grab that mid late first? Why not grab, you know, an Isaiah Spiller or some, you know, or or a Brees Hall and and really latch on to one of these young running backs that you, that, that are going to land in a really good situation, hopefully. Um, and even not, you're still going to get, you know, hopefully a, a really good, you know, um, wide receiver out of the deal as well. We're to maybe Chris Olave late, late in the first, early second or something like that. Um there's so many different ways that you can kind of incorporate Christian McCaffrey into a trade to 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 reinsulate your or re, rejuvenate your roster because the reality is is he is coming off of two bad seasons with um with 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 injury issues and the reality is is that he probably isn't going to come back right out of the gate and be a Christian McCaffrey of old and even if he does that value that you can get for him right now probably isn't going to be the same value that you're going to get from him after his age 26, 27 season. So as, as I always say, don't be left holding the bag with an aging running back. It's not mm-hmm. worth it in the long run. They depreciate naturally over time. And it's such a, a fickle position that you're going to find, you're going to be able to find much younger and much better, more 
consistent production with a draft pick, in my opinion, than you are going out and kind of either holding on to a Christian McCaffrey or going and trading for him. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, I mean, you're, you're analytics guy. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, and uh, people are well aware of that, but uh, I, I, I talk about that just about every week, how it's, it, it, it doesn't work for me, but uh, there are a lot of people who I think apply it properly. You've always been one of those guys um, that, you know, you can kind of make it make sense from an analytics standpoint, you know, there we've identified a trend here <laughs> with yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. He's getting injured more, you know, on average, you know, a little over once a game. <laughs> yeah. Or, or not, not, I guess not quite once per game. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the number but Yeah, five, five out of the last eight games, whatever that fraction is like, that's, that's that. That's officially a trend to me like that's in and that's just the injuries that resulted in significant time missed. What I saw watching the Carolina Panthers was Christian McCaffrey. Like he, he got his own blue tent. He occupied the thing so often. It was at least once a freaking game. He was he was in that tent. It yeah. was it was maddening. And I we just have to say at some point. Like we've got to stop, you know, assuming the best case scenario when, again, there's a trend here that's going the exact opposite way. Yeah. I'm not saying that Christian McCaffrey is done. I'm not saying that he's not going to be a solid fantasy producer for you ever again. I'm just saying he's not worth the cost that you have to give up right now. And in fact, like, like you said, this is a great time to capitalize on that value. Do it now. Get out early. So. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to play around with it in, in, in the sense that you don't want to, like I said, you don't want to be left holding the bag with an aging running back. And especially when they do have some sort of value now, like if you can snag that, that mid or, you know, I'd probably be willing to listen to a little bit of a later first round pick right now too, assuming that I would be able to grab the player that I'm expecting to grab. I'd listen to mm-hmm. it. It depends. You know, there's, there's multiple ways to get it done, but yeah, just don't, you don't want to be left holding the bag with an aging running back. And um, I mean, best case scenario, he comes back and he, you know, if you do decide to hold them, which we're obviously advocating that you don't, you better cross your fingers and, you know, do a happy dance and, and, and um, hope that he comes back next season. And that maybe that, you know, that uh, valuation of his, um mid first round gets into an early but granted i still don't think it will because we're talking about now a running back that's going to be going into their age 27 year after that and that's just that's one of the cliffs it's the cliffs running backs do not last in the nfl and there's just so many other running backs that you can that you should be fawning over right now you know that 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 just doesn't make sense the christian mccaffrey argument doesn't really make sense so i'm with you on that john yeah it's it's the age it's the usage the crazy thing is just based on his ADP, because like I said, he's still going in the second round of Superflex startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, rookie pick 1.01 went in the fifth round, which, I mean, we know that that's going to creep up, but still, that's telling me that 1.01 kind of isn't really enough for Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you if you have Christian McCaffrey, you can really kind of expect, you know, two first round picks back in return starting with 101 like 101 and another pick like that's that's the type of price that you should be able to get and that's 
to me, like that's the real reason to do it. You know, okay. That's just, that's like that value is just, he's, he's not going to hit that again, essentially. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy that, that he, and it's just the, the nature of the running back position right now. Yeah. You know, talked about this a few weeks ago too. We had a saturation point that we hit, you know, a couple of years ago where it felt like there's no real room for, and for, you know, the rookies to come in because, every team has a solid NFL starter and usually a little bit of depth as well. And now it's kind of feeling like, man, like who are the guys that you can really trust for fantasy purposes? Like we're, we're on the downslope and, and like uh, about halfway down at this point, we're looking around saying, who are the running backs you can trust? And, you know, people recognize that Zeke is, is at that age cliff. Uh, usage cliff, whichever you want to go off of. Uh, Derek Henry is there. Dalvin Cook is there. Aaron yep. Jones is there. You know, Alvin Kamara is there. Plus, now he's got some legal shit. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we're just like all the all of these guys who you know just a year ago were were high priority running backs for us. Now we don't feel great about those guys. So who do we go get? And you know, I think that. People are really kind of feeling like, yeah, Antonio Gibson isn't quite there. Uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a pretty solid starter. We know that he can catch passes. We know that that offense should be on the way up with a new quarterback. But, you know, it, like, can I really make him my running back one? And they just kind of default to Christian McCaffrey. And I just think that it's it it's... I think that you're going to be better off thinking of abstractly about the running back position yeah. and going after those younger guys like Antonio Gibson. I just think that you're going to get more out of him than Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, no, I think we're in, in total agreement there. I think, yeah. you know, even just looking at, you know, the last startup that I was in, uh, Christian McCaffrey went to eight um, and he went before he went before Kamara. He went well before Barkley, which, you know, I, I think I probably have those three kind of kind of clustered. If anything, I might put Barkley and Kamara a little bit ahead of, of, of McCaffrey right now. We know McCaffrey's p- potential, but I'm I'm more than willing to buy into Al- Alvin Kamara. They're, the Saints were just an absolute shit show last year. They rotated yeah. quarterbacks. Scheme was not there. And Alvin Kamara still found his his way into a, a top 10 PPR position. And um, it's because he's that good. If I'm buying into a player of that age and and in kind of that that tier three ish kind of, you know, tier two, tier three fringe guys, I'm buying, you know, into into Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. I think we can make cases um, for guys like that over over Christian McCaffrey. And um, even even the fact that he went on 10 spots ahead of Austin Eckler is wild to me. You know, yeah. I, I cannot I, I after the, the season that Austin Eckler had um, him just kind of hitting his stride um you know lump dalvin cook in there and i think it's a really cool conversation too is about the running back position in general is you know two to three years ago we were buying into these guys so heavily and mm-hmm. at the beginning of super flex flex drafts it would be at least three running backs because you're willing to buy into those guys because you know they're going to get the volume yeah. i am an avid wide receiver truther i i think it's for me it's the easiest position to evaluate in terms of um in terms of projection, I can project what a wide receiver uh, will 
will be not without, you know, fault. I'm not a hundred percent correct, but I'm more comfortable in my wide receiver uh, projection and evaluation than I am with my running back, which forces me to kind of buy into that running back position early. So I get it out of the way. I'm not staring down the barrel of, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at Kareem Hunt and, you know, Devin Singletary as my RB2 or, you know, my RB1. I'm not buying into a lot of running back um, handcuffs and guys like Alexander Madison, you know, and aging Leonard Fournette in those double digit rounds. You know, when you get there, I, I, I like to get that out of the way now, but we're seeing a lot of these guys that we've trusted in those early rounds start to get phased out now. And we're starting to make cases for why they're aging, why their production is is good now, but they're still a sell because we have younger guys that are going to come in. And even some of these younger guys, like you said, I mean, there's kind of that there, there's, it's still kind of up in the air. I mean, the only like super young running back right now that I think everybody is just all in consensus that we're going to be taking early for a while is going to be Najee Harris. I mean, we like Javante Williams. I love Javante Williams. Are they going to bring in another running back? Is Melvin Gordon right. going to get to get re-signed there? Are his touches going to continue to be diminished? Because it was clear that no matter what Javante did last year, he didn't completely usurp Melvin Gordon. We all saw how good Javante was. We, we know he's the running back one there, but, Denver was treating that situation as one a and one B and a, there's a lot of nuance in coach speak and, and seeing what we see. We got to, we have to be able to take what the NFL gives us. Cause we don't have control. You know, we're not at the, we're, we're not in the headset saying play Javante right now. So when we evaluate these positions and we look at the running back as a whole, it's, it's bleak right now outside of Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift and Najee Harris. It, it, there's question marks. I mean, maybe Austin Eckler. I really like him, but obviously he's getting into that age gap too. But um, yeah, it's just an interesting time for running backs, man. We would be in super flex. Uh, I remember in, you know, early 2020 and there's it's running back, running back, running back. And then the quarterbacks start to go. Now these startup drafts, we're looking at five, six, you know, quarterbacks that are being taken, you know, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. And then you start to see some of these skill positions go off. And I think that's a testament to kind of the the information that you and other people kind of bring out for the quarterback position, but also the kind of downslope that the running back in uh, position is at right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man, we, I, you know what? I, I think that I want to talk wide receivers with you. You know, you talk about, um, evaluating them, projecting them. And so here's the problem that we've got right now. So, you know, I, I, like, I like to take the, what I, you know, what I've been talking about is the kind of the 10,000 foot view of, of the fantasy football landscape. Like that's, that's kind of what I like to do. And that's where I find, you know, the running back position, the, the, that saturation point, we hit that a couple of years ago. Now we're kind of getting depleted again, and actually, it looks like 2023 is going to restock us. But in the meantime, what the hell do you do at running back? You know, yeah. that's kind of something that people are dealing with right now. And the thing is, like, I can I can recognize these trends. I can recognize kind of what's going on from from that bird's eye view. Uh, but as far as you know, giving the the exact answer on on like you know how do we how do we work around this? How do we hack this? How do we exploit this? That's not always me. And I do think that, uh, you know, I, I think that if you're able to tell people that, you know, there are, there are workarounds at wide receiver, it's going to make it feel a little bit easier to invest in running backs and invest in quarterback quarter quarterback is, is actually pretty similar to 
to running back right at the moment. It's feeling a little depleted. It's feeling a little unstable where just a couple of years ago, it was like where, I mean, two years ago is where, like, where is the job for Cam Newton? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It turned out it was in New England, but it was like, that was the only job. Everybody else was pretty set at quarterback. And, you know, it made it feel that much easier to invest in quarterbacks because it was like, we know who the starters are. We don't, we kind of don't have that at the moment. But anyway, so one of the things that I'm kind of noticing, first of all, I, I haven't found the statistical basis for this just yet. I'm still working on that. Well, Addison Hayes is working (laughs) for me and then I'm going to take credit when he gets there. But uh, basically, 2021 was what I call a wide receiver year. It was, especially at the top, um, it, it, it sure felt like the majority of the fantasy points scored, um, you know, by, by top 12 players at their individual position was by top 12 wide receivers. You know, we we had some a couple a couple running backs. You know, particularly Jonathan Taylor. Um, man, that was really kind. Of, and Najee Harris, like those were the bankable guys every single week. Uh, uh, other than that, everybody was kind of in and out. I mean, you know, Austin Eckler did have an an, an excellent season. I believe finished as a top five running back. Uh, number two team. yeah number two yeah in ppr yeah yeah and and but it was like it was a very sneaky very quiet you know top yeah. two type of season. and it was it was uh predicated on touchdowns um which was kind of a new development for him um and and you know a little bit unexpected and people love to tell you touchdowns aren't sticky so you know we we can't plan on that anymore exactly exactly (laughs) okay but he's gonna score some but anyways anyways you know it 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 felt like the running back position was very much in turmoil very much in flux on a weekly basis meanwhile the wide receivers were at the top were solid to a point where it felt like the guys that you had to have, you know, the unfair advantage was Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. uh, because every single week they were they had the higher floor, they had all the upside. You know, Jamar Chase even gave you that ridiculous eleven catch, three touchdown game, two hundred sixty six yards, and so and and things like that just kind of make people, you know, take a step back and say, wait, so you know, in order to make sure that we hit with our early picks, we need to spend these on wide receivers, you know, and, and primarily, you know, we need to make sure that we get either Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. But even if we don't, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, you know, uh, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, like these are all guys that we need to make sure to, that we come out of our draft with. Um, And, you know, running back is going to be a mess anyways. Quarterback is going to be tough to figure out, but at least we've got that stability at the wide receiver position. Yeah. To me, this is a fallacy. This is the exact wrong way to go about it. To me, it this was just 
further confirmation that the wide receiver position is particularly deep. Um, I, I think that there were a number of guys who would have given you the same type of floor, the same type of foundation that Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson would have given you. They weren't going to give you 266 yards on 11 catches. <laughs> that, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, that won't happen for Jamar Chase again either. But, you know, th- that part, that's not what we're what we should be chasing anyways. What we should be chasing is kind of that baseline scoring. And my belief is they're probably in the neighborhood of 30 of those guys who would have given you roughly the same type of floor. So I'm I'm wondering if you found kind of the same thing uh, in the in the work that you've done. I'm wondering um, if you have kind of some thoughts on the wide receiver position in general. If you've got you know some some process that you can help us out with in order to make the wide receiver position feel a little less uh, a little less powerful, a little less necessary. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and if you disagree with any of that too, I mean, that's fine too, where that's, you know, whatever yeah. you've got. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I tend to agree with you more, uh, more along the lines of it's wide receiver. I've never really viewed wide receiver in my time playing fantasy and just really indulging it. I've never looked at a wide receiver group in startups or in rookie drafts and been like, man, this, this isn't, this isn't really this is kind of thin because it's yeah. a position again that I feel the most comfortable evaluating. So even if I find, you know, in a class of 10 or we look at the top people wide receivers, if you know the top 24, I can find 12 solid guys that I think are going to, you know, or that that I can evaluate and project to be in that top 12 and I can feel comfortable about it because the thing about, you know, wide receivers the cool thing that I've that I've been taught by graciously by Peter Howard was that wide receivers, when they come into a situation or when they are in a situation, they're fighting with three, four other wide receivers in that same group. So when you see a signal like market share of receiving yards, market share of targets, yards per route run, for example, in efficiency, when you see those signals and you see a guy kind of hit the radar and he's excelling in those metrics, it's easy to, to, to be like, okay, this is a guy that I want a running back. You throw him into a position and, and it's basically about the situation who's in front of them. Who's behind them. Did that running back get hurt? No, because there's a, there's a, I mean, Cordell Patterson, Patterson is a perfect example of that this year, right? Cordell Patterson was written off. I mean, we're talking just had absolutely no value comes in only competes with Mike Davis And he just is the absolute star of that entire Atlanta offense, him and Kyle Pitts, right? And he got the volume because there was nobody else there to take it away from him. Now that is just rinse, wash, and repeat for the running back position. But when we go to wide receiver, it's a completely different story because we're able to look at that one wide receiver versus three, four other wide receivers on their own team. And if we're excelling, we're able to put a little stamp on that guy and say, all right, this is the one I'm going to invest that premium pick in. Now, when we look at who we're investing those premium picks in. We're looking at guys like obviously Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. The thing about Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and I listen, I, I I should have been more vocal in my time when I was evaluating Justin Jefferson about (laughs) what the way that I felt about him. Um, Obviously, I mean, hindsight is 2020. I think anybody can fucking say that. So um, when I was, you know, I I did that with Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Very, very, (laughs) statement right there yeah. but the fact is is one of my cases for um for when i was kind of advocating for 
Justin Jefferson in the 2020 class was that he played and had a, a really, really good college career right next to Jamar Chase, who coming out was a consensus, you know, absolute stud, can't miss prospect uh, up until the drops in training camp, right? But coming out when he was drafted, top five pick overall, he's coming out of a prolific offense where he played with the quarterback. He's going to be playing in the NFL. All signs pointed to Jamar Chase being great. Now, what people didn't realize is that Justin Jefferson, he did have an incredible college career right next to the guy that we all love, Jamar Chase. The, the writing was on the wall for Justin Jefferson. It was going to happen. I heard the argument, oh, Adam Thielen's there. You know, he's, you know, Adam Thielen. Well, Kirk Cousins has supported two top 12 wide receivers in his career. It's fine. The, the volume is going to be there, and good guys get volume. So Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, incredible. Like, the, the writing was on the wall with them. We, we, we knew that they were going to be great. Those are guys that I'm willing to spend and invest really, really high picks in. Uh, A.J. Brown as well we're talking about him going in the middle of the second great investment there but kind of outside of those three guys i think i'd lump dk metcalf in there as well we saw him go through like a little bit of a mid-season slump this year where he definitely was not returning on his floor still finishes a top 14 i'll say top 24 because 14 doesn't sound as sexy um but he finished as as a wide receiver two fringe wide receiver one right there it was really really close um we Debo Samuel as well, man. They schemed him into absolute success, but even he took a little while to reach this point. DK Metcalf, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson. Um, and, and you know, there's there's a couple other guys that kind of fall into that range. We're looking at Jalen Waddle, maybe CeeDee C. Lamb, uh, T. Higgins. Those guys that, that have come in have proven, um, maybe not so much for CeeDee Lamb. He's kind of still in that wide receiver two range and people invested a lot into him. But, um, we're talking about using premium picks on these guys. Those are, that's kind of the tier that I'm looking at, you know, is, is, is Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo, um, and then so on and so forth. But outside of that, there's a lot of value to be had. For example, you, I, I'm not sure. Cause I don't have ADP right in front of me, but if you took a flyer on your, in, in, in the double digit late rounds of your, of your, your startups or your fantasy drafts last year, Michael Pittman returned on that tenfold. Yep. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, you look at Mike Williams. I love him. I'm a Chargers homer. I think he's great. We saw him kind of have that midseason slump as well. I think we can, in my opinion, I tailor that to the overall offense. And he's also playing alongside Keenan Allen. Had a good season. Finished as a wide receiver one. Now, that was a long developing storyline. He's always been good, just injured. You can find value in him as well. Um, and even in startups, we're looking at some older guys, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, for example, some of the new bucks. Uh, we're looking at, you know, Devonta Smith, um, DJ Moore for better or worse, not necessarily new, but still very, very young. You can spend up in your startups and your, you know, in your redraft leagues on that Jonathan Taylor in the mid first, grab that DeAndre Swift at the end of the first, the Najee Harris at the end of the first early second. Um, go ahead and invest in, you know, in that Austin Eckler in that third round range, because you know, that a DJ Moore is going to be staring you in the face somewhere in the fourth, maybe fifth round. Um, you you know that a, a Michael Pittman right now, if for as decent of a season as he's had, is going to be sitting in that six seven range. Six seven range. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown as well. I think his case is kind of a little bit different. We don't have to get into that, but definitely worth the investment in that eight round range, nine round range. Um, and there's just there's so much 
value at the wide receiver position, even in startups with some of the older guys, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Mike Williams, maybe even a Tyler Lockett a little bit. There's just so much. I mean, Brandon Cooks, this guy just continues to do it. It does not matter who the quarterback is. It does not matter where he is. This guy could be on the moon and he's just going to he's going to finish inside the top 24 and you're going to be able to get him in those double digit rounds like it is just so much more clarity with the wide rec- wide receiver position that it it. it it makes sense for you to invest in a running back early and then fill in those, you know, those guys with those with those floors. Like you said, the ceiling is nice. I want that 266 yard three touchdown game from Jamar Chase. I want to have I want to know that my roster has that potential on it, mm-hmm. but I'm much more comfortable knowing that I can grab a Jonathan Taylor who's 23 years old coming off of an, an incredible, incredible season who I still think, you know, even if Derrick Henry didn't get injured, would still be competing with for that running back one position with him. That's how good of a season he had. I'm much more comfortable grabbing Jonathan Taylor right there. Even though I love Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, I'll grab Jamar. Uh, I will grab a Jonathan Taylor right there and get that position out of the way because I know Jonathan Taylor's got that spot locked up for the next four or five years. And I'm comfortable yeah. taking that and I'm comfortable not having to worry about that because I think his floor is obviously still similar to a John, or to a to a Jamar Chase and a Justin Jefferson, right? So his floor right there, and it's at a position where everything is so topsy turvy. It's a carousel. One thing happens, and then I, you don't know who you're starting at that position anymore. I'd rather lock that up and then capitalize on the value of a DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, a um, Robert Woods, like you said, for later later on in the draft. There's just so much more value there. That's easily decipher more decipherable if that's even a word um <laughs> than it is at the running back position so that's yeah. kind of my take on the wide receiver position i i do think it's a little less top heavy than a lot of people are giving it credit for through the first three rounds and startups or just overall drafts and stuff there's only a couple select guys that i'm really really looking to take which means i'm probably more comfortable taking that bona fide stud quarterback aka justin herbert um and and a jonathan taylor in that first round and then kind of you know playing around with the value that's left um uh, for for the wide receiver position going forward in my drafts yeah i like that yeah man that that it just feels like that ceiling is just so hard to chase uh-huh. even with a guy like jamar <laughs> chase you know uh, yeah. he, he even though he did it like that's still to me like that's still not his ceiling you know Mm-hmm. that's because that was an outlier by like several striations, <laughs> several standard deviations off from it, like a, a realistic <laughs> ceiling. So, yeah, I, but I do, I am curious, like if you found a way to, to differentiate those, guys, like we can just kind of entertain this, this, this notion that there is kind of a way and maybe it's just age. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's, consensus value i i guess maybe that's kind of what we go off of but i mean if you've got a bucket of because you you listed off a lot of names and what i heard was you know these are all guys who i would be comfortable with as my wide receiver one and you know a combination of these guys at wide receiver one and two and i feel like i'm i'm right there with anybody else you know uh, with the possible exception of who, uh, if somebody ends up with both Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. like I've got some work to do to to make up those yeah. points. Yeah, I'll still be able to do it at running back and quarterback, so whatever. But you know, admittedly, I'm going to be running behind a little bit at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. 
but otherwise like it feels like you know at least what i'm hearing is is you know you you get a combination of any of those two wide receivers otherwise and you know you're going to be competitive like yeah. you're going to be right there but is there a way to differentiate any of those guys for you is 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 there um, and, and, you know, particularly if it's something actionable, just like, I'm just kind of, this is all stream of consciousness, Okay. by the way, this is not yeah. Like- yeah, no, 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 totally. Um, so I think the trend that we're looking at with a lot of the wide receivers that are in that top tier bucket is, is all, I mean, if we underline all of them, it's obviously that there's youth there. Right. And the youth mm-hmm. plays the factor in it, uh, for sure. But Guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who I have no qualms about anybody taking them in the first round of your startups because they, in my opinion, they are worth it. Those are those are two guys. I think, you know, um, again, in that bucket, when we're looking at, you know, DK, Debo, AJ Brown as well in that tier below, these are guys that I'm comfortable all taking early. And I think the youth factor plays plays into it. But I think that especially with guys like uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, is they came in and they proved it right off the bat. And the and, and the wide receiver position has a, a much higher incline um, of of both value and production over time. So not only a guy like Jamar Chase going in the top seven picks of a startup, it's understandable because you know he's going to he's going to hold that value and return on your investment for the next six seven years. Right, the kid is 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 only. 21 years old and you're not going to see a steep decline until he's like you know 28 29 i mean we still have guys that are doing it that are like 30 years old i mean d hop but these guys have a signal a specific signal based on their college profile coming now we have year a year and two years on justin jefferson of data that suggests that these guys are alpha wide receivers and they're that young so it's for me it's the combination of these guys aren't taking any time to develop they're coming in right off the jump and they're NFL ready and they're establishing themselves as the wide receiver one in their offense. Those are the guys I'm comfortable spending premium premium picks on. Even yeah. DK competing with Tyler Lockett over the past couple of years. He's come in and he's cemented his role as a top wide receiver. I mean, again, he finished fringe wide receiver one um, last year. I believe he finished as, as a wide receiver one, if I'm not mistaken. Um but he's just cemented himself as a, a, a really big focal point in Seattle. And he does have that youth factor as well. He's 24. You invest in him now in an early pick, you're still going to have four, five, six years of solid, really, really good production. It's just a much easier position to predict than any other position in in, in the league. So my take on, on that, and I hope I'm answering your question correctly. My take on that is these guys that are being taken very, very early, it's because they're coming in and they're producing early and they're already spelling, you know, that their success is going to be um, tried and true and very, very long in the NFL. Um, so differentiating those guys from maybe other guys that you're going to look for in value is, you know, the the one thing about, say, for example, grabbing um, – let me just throw out a name or throwing out Mike Williams, for example, who's 27 years old. Obviously he's going to be taken later, later in drafts because he has this one prolific season. It's taken a while for him to develop. He didn't do what Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf have done. um, And you know, right off the bat and comparable to those, but Mike Williams still has some value. He's proved that he can do it. He's just not as young as these other guys. And his signal isn't as strong at at this point in his career as these guys signals are will be at that time when they are mike williams age i guess um if that makes sense um so yeah being able to differentiate that it's a lot of youth it's a lot of just 
basic signal and it goes into, you know, age adjusted profiles that we use um, great metrics like yards per route run um, for um, incoming, being able to see these guys. Uh, for example, Jamar Chase, one of, in my opinion, another metric that I've added into, you know, my tool belt, Jamar Chase just absolutely popped on, on yards per route run uh, as a rookie and his success in efficiency, not just production, like in, in, in efficiency as a standalone metric, it just, it's, it's literally off the wall. We're talking about, um, he's right up there with AJ Brown. We're looking at, I mean, he's Odell Beckham Jr. for what that's worth. Um, Doug, the, the, the great Doug Baldwin as well. When we're putting him in these buckets, you know, Percy Harvin, um, we're, we're putting him in these high success buckets and he's beating out guys like Keenan Allen in, coming into his rookie season, beating, beating out guys well above, um, you know, Julio Jones, AJ Green, Des Bryant. Um, I'm, just, I'm trying to grab the most prolific names that he's exceeded this. And those are all signals that you look for that tell me I'm, I'm more than willing to put this guy in that success bucket for a wide receiver and spend that early premium pick on. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Um, we, we started off this episode saying how we were just going to go completely off the rails. And then we spent most of this episode already mm-hmm. just kind of, yep. Just getting down to business. Just, you just talking. pull it out of me, John. You just—I don't know how you do it, but once I start talking, it's just a fountain. And then you—you you gotta, you gotta tell me to shut up sometimes. Man. <laughs> Never. It's, that's not happening. But I do. I I, I do want to talk um, a little a, a little bit more. Uh, le- less um, less matter of fact here, and more just kind of. Uh, man, I don't even know what the term is here, but I, I just want to, um, yeah, let's, let, I, I want to take the fantasy analyst hat off of you for a minute, uh, because there's going to be plenty of time for that now that you're back in, yeah. now that you're back, uh, creating content. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, from from in and you had a thread that was kind of along these lines, and it, and I thought it was super important. Check out at Jesse Reeves FF. Um, there's, I mean, there's a ton of useful stuff there so far, but uh, like there there was just one today. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, just earlier today, you were kind of talking about your journey, um, you know, into out of and kind of back into a little bit the the fantasy space, and it just kind of made me curious uh, because that's a hard move to make. You know, that's a hard thing to do. I've seen so many people um, kind of step away from it with the the idea that they were going to come back, which I don't know if that was part of your plan or not. I I kind of get the sense that it wasn't. You might have thought that you were just kind of done with it, and you know just uh just kind of found out that it's something that you wanted to continue on with and so you jump back in but there have been other people who kind of got burnt out and tried to step away with the idea that they're gonna it's just gonna be a short break and then i'll be back and you never hear from them again (laughs) you know that happens way too often yeah uh the and and especially the amount of time that you are away from it uh, you know, the, I feel like the longer you step away, the harder it is to get back to it. But I'm, so I'm curious what drew you back and I'm curious, you know, going for like how, if you've even thought about this part, uh, 
how is it going to look different from the first time that you went through this? Okay. Uh, really, really good questions. Um, so what drew me back was it was just kind of myself, man. I found that, um, you know, when I was going through that kind of burnout stage with fantasy, um, that I had taken a lot of expectation on myself. I didn't handle a lot of the, the the content creation and the expectations that I was putting on myself. I didn't really handle those very well at all. And when I was going through that, my initial response was like, okay, this is this is a part of my life that I've I've loved, I've learned, I've done some really incredible things, but it's 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 not clicking anymore, man. It's not happening for me anymore. I don't wake up with that same fire that I have about who I'm gonna draft today, what player I wanna have, you know you know, stake my claim. What hill do I want to die on today? I didn't have that. I didn't have that, that burning passion and that fire inside me. And that kind of led me, um, down to, to just leaving the space being like, all right, that's, that's enough. And then, um, I gave up a lot of leagues. I, I kind of transitioned into a different role to where I was still creating content. I think content creation is just kind of in my it's just in my fiber. It's in my DNA. That's who I am. I love to create things. And um, I transitioned into another space. And as I did that, I kind of found joy in fantasy again without the expectation. I started playing with my friends. I got back into my home league, which I had left when I was just absolutely in the the thick of being in the the fantasy industry and kind of trying to climb the ranks a little bit. Um, I had left that league that I had been in for about eight, nine years. And um, it became kind of like a hassle. And I kind of sensed that that was kind of like the downfall of where I was, you know, my most important league, you know, for it's all my friends. It's like my brother's in there. And, and um, I had left that. And last year I had actually rejoined. And I don't know what it was about it. I don't know if it was the camaraderie. I don't know if it was just the 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 bullshit banter i don't know if it was just going back and forth what it you know the the drive to just be competitive and have fun but something drew me back into that kind of mindset that like all right i gotta put that hat on again and i'm about to start whooping some ass okay i'm 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 taking this league back by storm it's my league i've won two championships there i gotta show them who the boss is again and with (laughs) that that kind of started to develop into all right to do that i need to know what i'm what I'm going to do. I need to know. Um, I need to know player evaluations. I need to know who's coming in, who's the hot rookie. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I found myself spending an hour a day on fantasy. I spent, you know, every kind of free time, free moment that I had looking at my roster. Where can I get better? What can I do? I know this stuff, man. I've done this. I did this kind of for a living before. I know I can do this. And then from there, it just kept snowballing to where I'm, doing full-blown data analysis again on yards per route run on the 2021 rookie class and who do I want? And then from that point, it kind of dawned on me that what I was doing before was uh, in kind of the esports or the gaming, you know, creating content outside of fantasy. It felt like it was kind of a placebo. It felt like whatever it was that kind of manifested itself, that expectation that I kind of talked about in my thread today on Twitter, um, that expectation, it created this wall of just kind of a false narrative that I built around myself. And mm-hmm. for me to get through that, I just had to walk away from it for a minute. I had to walk away from it and I had to find that love for football 
that I have had, you know, for the better part of a decade, even longer than that. Um, and I feel like getting back into that home league was just kind of the start. And again, it just snowballed from there. And then, um, after that, just, I, I found that what I was doing again was that placebo. And I found myself more in indulging more in, in fantasy content, getting back into the space, kind of behind the scenes, watching you, Ray Garvin, um, you know, uh, Derek Brown, a bunch of people work, um, that I've worked with before continue to do work. And I found myself spending more time doing that. And I was like, it just kind of dawned on me, um, that I don't have to have these expectations for myself. I'm not beholden to anyone or anything. And I can enjoy this shit without any expectations. Mm-hmm. Now for me to do that, I also have a drive kind of inside me to just be the best at what I do. I, that's just who I am. That's what I, what I do. So I knew that if I was going to kind of take this plunge again and come back into the space that like, it wasn't going to be the same and that I was going to do it on my own terms. Uh, if I choose to write for a website or if I choose to do my own content, it's going to be on my terms and I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it because whatever outline that this industry as well as other industries have for me. I don't want to abide by those if they don't fit what I want to do. And I'm comfortable with that. And this is a space where we should be able to do that. Right. So when we talk about you, when you ask that second question, what do I want to do different? I, I, I honestly just want to do what I want to do when I wake up, if I feel, and that's kind of what I've been doing, which is why I haven't really been putting out too much analysis on this class yet. Um, because I have yet to dive in. I'm not afraid to say that. And I'm not on anyone else's time restriction. I I'll, I'll put out an entire draft guide the day before the draft. And if you don't like it, you don't fucking like it. That's on you. Okay. But it's going to be damn good. I promise. Okay. I'll make sure that what I put out is good stuff. And that's the way I'm learning to operate. I was under the expectation that for me to get where I wanted to go in the fantasy industry was I had to abide by all of these successes from other people, Mm -hmm. people that are way older than me or people that have been in the industry way longer than me. And that's the route that they took when in reality, I am a content creator first and foremost, it just so happens that fantasy football is my subject. So I need to lean into that more. And that's something that I realized coming back into the space. And again, things aren't going to look the same. I might not put out as much content. I might be dry on Twitter for a day or two deal with it. You know, you're, I might be making a YouTube video or um, doing a deep data dive for a couple of days. I'm not beholden to one thing. And there's no one path that 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 has to be delivered upon for me to have success in this space. And I can do it so many different ways. And that's something that I didn't know before. Um, and it took me leaving for almost two years and coming back for me to be like, you know what? Like, this is a place for me. And I can be here. I'm allowed to be here, but I'm allowed to be here on my own terms. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to write 50 articles for $10 an hour for me to fill my self-worth. When I can spend an hour, two, three, four, five doing uh, doing a data analysis and put it out on Twitter for free and feel way more fulfilled than if I'm grinding myself into oblivion for a website or for something that doesn't have what I'm looking for. It doesn't have, uh, it's, it's not fulfilling me in the way that I'm looking to be fulfilled. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. The way that I want to do things differently. I have a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things that are swirling around my mind, but I keep, um, for as much as my mind is wandering and how can I make this space better? And how can I continue to just be Jesse Reeves? How can I continue to put out cool shit that people are going to like? Um, 
I have to do, I just, I keep going back to, there's no time limit on this. I left for two years. I came back. I've been welcomed with open arms. And I think that's a testament to just how great this community in this space is and how not forgiving, but accepting that it really, really is. And I can do things on my own term. I can do them however I want to. And the expectation is the only expectation that I put on myself. Um, and with that being said, the expectations that I have put on myself, um, in the near future, we're definitely going to be having, uh, we're going to be starting up a YouTube channel because I think that good video content on a lot of the analysis that we go over on podcasts and in written articles is severely underrated in a video format. I think there is a lack of, of, of that, of really, really good content. Not to say that there's not any, but I think people underutilize these video platforms. And that's something that I've taken from creating content in other spaces, using TikTok, Instagram Reels. YouTube shorts, things like that. So I will not be a strictly written person. I will not be a written article and analyst, I guess you could say, um, if you'd even call me that at this point. Um, I will not be a guy that's just going to do deep dive data dumps and throw them on Twitter. I will be somebody that will utilize more platforms in in an effort to appeal to a larger amount of people because I think that's one thing about the Twitter sphere and the the, the industry that's on Twitter is you can get so entrenched in that and believing that that small little community here on Twitter that's very prominent in the fantasy space is the only way to find success and I'm just kind of here to to tell people that that's a lie that you can do whatever it is that you want be a creator and kind of what I said in that last part of my thread today was um you know own your content own your brand own your personality because in reality, we don't owe the, the, this space anything but kind of ourselves and our present and operate with love, passion and intent with your creations and, and own it and own every piece of it for better or worse. And um, and and make sure that you're just staying true to you, because if you don't, you will end up like me who had to take a leave of absence and you will lose yourself um, throughout the pursuit of looking for success in a space that you can find it in the little things. You can find it just in doing one YouTube video a week. You can find it in doing one article a week. You don't have to be putting your head to the grindstone all the time unless you want to. Do it if you want to because it's there's a lot of fun in that too. But just do you. Do your thing and and be you, man. Be you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's That's so important. And it, it is hard to do because Twitter... I, Honestly, I've said this before on the podcast too, but Twitter's the wrong tool. <laughs> yeah. Twitter's the wrong place for us yes. to be doing this. And it sucks that it is, uh, you know, you, as, as you mentioned, it's a pretty, it's, it is a prominent part of this industry. And honestly, that's just kind of unfortunate uh, because I mean, ultimately what we end up doing, it's, you know, it's analysts which by the way, yes, you are an analyst to me. Like if, if you've got something to say, if you've got something to share, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're an analyst. If yeah. you like, if you want to take that step, you're an analyst. That's, that's all it takes. Now, you know, people who want to call themselves experts and gurus, mm -hmm. it's a totally different story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different conversation, but absolutely anyone can be an analyst and can get involved in this and in any way that they want. And, you know, I don't think that it's for anybody else to say, Oh, you're particularly not an analyst because you're not doing things the way, you know, other people have done it before you. Yeah. You know, so yes, uh, to me, you're absolutely an analyst and, and a damn fine one at that. But, 
you know, even with that bias aside, uh, I, I just feel like the, a, a big part of what's missing is the realization that, uh, you know, so uh, th- that Twitter doesn't get to tell you whether or not you belong here, you know, which was a, that was a big thing for me. I had to take a little bit of a, of a step back from it as well this season. And it really just kind of stemmed from an, a, 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 an argument that I had with another analyst who, you know, his, his ultimate goal was to get me to quit. <laughs> like he just didn't think he didn't agree with what I said and therefore felt like I did not deserve a place in this, in this community anymore. And, you know, I, and I mean, I had to just take a step back because I didn't like the way that affected me. And I just, from there, I, it just, I just kind of came to the realization that, you know, Twitter is really just kind of, you know, an analyst trying to get the attention and the approval of other analysts. We're not actually helping people a whole lot on Twitter. I mean, it, there, there is a possibility there you can, you can still reach people who are not just kind of, kind of other analysts and, you know, especially Twitter gatekeepers. Like that's, that's a lot of the game. You can still get to people. You can still help people out where you really end up doing it. As you know, you know, it, it, as you mentioned, um, YouTube ends up being a very underutilized medium and that's where a lot of people are going there and getting their information people are getting their information from listening to podcasts they're not getting their information from a a tweet you know they're getting some entertainment and even more than that sometimes they're getting an opportunity to to uh, cancel somebody and get that feeling of of schadenfreude that that you know that that people just kind of crave inherently so but you know we're we're really not getting i mean of the of the hundreds of millions of fantasy football leagues all around the world it's such a small fraction of those people who are actually on twitter reading our tweets exactly yeah so like so the problem is there's not really a good way for us to to measure uh, you know there's there's no way for us to measure kind of our positive effects on Twitter. Um, but you can certainly measure the negative effects by yeah. who, you, who you, who you push out of this thing and who you, uh, who you manage to cancel, who you manage to, you know, completely dishearten uh, from wanting to move forward with this and who you can affect to a point where they feel like I don't enjoy this anymore. Yeah. I'm only doing this for you people's approval and I'm not getting it. And I like, this is not fun. This is not something I want to do anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and it really kind of hit me in your thread when you talked about the brick wall, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the essentially there's a brick wall coming, you know, it's coming. You just don't know when until you're there <laughs> until yep. you run into it. Yep. You know, that to me, that's kind of, that's that's what Twitter and you know kind of the the social dynamic that's built in uh, that's that's kind of what that does that's what that represents and it just i it, it it's just 
refreshing to hear you talk about, um, you know, being able to, to come back at this. And I mean, I, and I don't know, I mean, maybe, maybe you're still aware of the brick wall. You just, you know, you've just found the path around it. Yeah. At least for the time being, you, you, you know how to avoid it. Um, or maybe you've been able to remove that brick wall. I don't, I don't know which, and, and, you know, maybe you've got thoughts on that, but, you know, I, I, I just think that that's such an important piece of, of, you know, finding happiness, doing this and enjoying doing this yeah. is to recognize that the existence of the brick wall, start yeah. with that yeah. and then, and then figure out, you know, what do I do about that? Absolutely. And I think, I think too, it's like looking at the measuring stick, what measuring stick are we using to, to quantify what success is in this space? Cause if, mm-hmm. if, if that's getting shouted out by, you know, Evan Silva and praise from, you know, whatever website you, you know, consume your, your daily fantasy content on, if that's your, your idea of success, then I think, you know, you have a lot to reevaluate. I think you have a lot to reevaluate in, in, in your endeavors and what it is that you truly want to do here. Um, if anything over the last year and a half, two years has taught me, it's that, um, being a content creator is again, like I say in the thread, it's owning your personality. It's owning your brand and it's owning you. It's, it's owning your content and what you do, no matter what stamp of approval is on that. If you enjoy making fantasy content and that's what you want to do, then get out there and do it because no website has anything for you that you already don't have. Not, not one website, maybe a free subscription with a lot of cool shit and data and stuff like that. Awesome. I can pull that shit in a second without a subscription. I promise you I can. That's not the point, though. The point is, is that you are the product. You are the person. You're the personality. You are the brand. There's no one website out there that can give me something that I already don't have. And because I have the personality, I have the smarts, I have the drive, the passion, I have everything to do what I want to do. So what's stopping me? What's stopping me? It's the the measuring stick. It's the measuring stick to which we hold to ourselves to say that this is what success looks like in this space. And so far, it's a misguided it's a misguided assessment of what that is. Because if your idea of success is getting a brand stamped on you and you writing, you know, fifty articles, uh, you know, a week and getting that recognition and stuff. And that's really what you want. I'm not going to tell you, you know, that's, that's, that's what you want to do. That's awesome. You have hitched your wagon to something that, that you find joy in. There is no knocking that if you are that type of grinder person, that's cool. But do that with the fullest intent that that is your personality, that that is who you are and that's what you're going to be. And that's fine. That's cool, mm-hmm. man. If you love writing for an incredible website, like I'm, I'm going to use DLF for an example because it's you know right behind you, and I love DLF. <laughs> I love the team at DLF. I love know so many people that that work there, and you guys put out incredible, incredible content, and you guys make that brand great. And if you can go to sleep at night understanding that you're a you're a part of what makes DLF great, that's a fucking win. That's a win, man. That's so dope to be able to contribute to something. That's one of the things that I loved about working with PFF was the team, the team aspect, being able to write with just so many incredibly smart people and being a part of that team. But but PFF wasn't me and I wasn't PFF. That's mm-hmm. not my identity. You know, that's yeah. not who that's not who I am. I haven't wrapped myself in that identity. I indulged in that 
I would, I, I, I honestly think that if you're indulging in something that you're passionate about and you're, and you're contributing to a team of creative people and you're doing that, and that's a part of who your soul is and who you are, again, that's a win, but you aren't that person. Know when you get into this space that, and again, I, I think it, it, I think it stretches far beyond just the reaches of just fantasy. It's media and content creation in general as well. So I'm speaking to a, a, a plethora, just a, a, a breadth of on this subject I'm taking a look at because I think media and traditional media is, you know, you get a job at a news station or you work for ESPN and you start out as a beat writer and you work your way up and hopefully you get behind a desk where you can wear this nice suit and people get to watch you and, and you get to say things that's on the teleprompter and stuff. And it's like, that shit is dinosaur shit, man. It's go- <laughs> It's like, we are making better content in the corner of our room than what you have on ESPN. And the sooner you realize that you can do that with a microphone and a camera, mm-hmm. you're already, you're already ahead of everybody else. That's trying to take that traditional route. It's not the only route that you need to take. And when we, when, when, when I'm speaking about these things, I'm, doing it not to bash anybody's route or bash any path that anybody's taken. I'm, I'm shedding light on the fact that like, there's no one way to do this, man. There's no one way to do this. Mm-hmm. Y- your show, this, you know, the super flex show, the super flex super show here right now is just as important as anything that ESPN puts out. It's it just as important as anything that NBC, ABC fantasy. It's just as important because it's you. This is yeah. your brand. Own that shit. Own it, be about it and love it and own it and, and just have intent in inside of what you're doing, because there's no one way to do it. There's no one way for you to make it in this industry. And that's part of where I speak from, because that was my impression when I got here and I started to climb the ranks that I needed to get that stamp of approval from a Roto Underworld. I needed to get that from PFF because once I had PFF in my bio, woo. Bro, I made it. I made it. I'm here. I'm here. There's no way they can deny me now. There's no way. I'm on PFF, man. Like, yep. there's no way I can do that. But it do- it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Nobody cared that I was at PFF. When I wrote that I was leaving the fantasy industry, nobody said, damn, PFF lost a good one. They were sad or they were not sad, but I got words of encouragement from people that said how much they enjoyed my content and my personality. Not one person, except for obviously the people that I worked with at PFF were sad to see me go and stuff. But like not one person was like pinned it on PFF or said something like along the lines of PFF or it's because I wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't the only thing that I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody gave me words of encouragement that said that they were sad to see me leave the space. And that's because I believe I tried at least my hardest to have an impact on the space that I was in. I think I succeeded in that. I mean, I'm back and again, I'm still getting a lot of love and, you know, from, from you and other people. And I'm, I, and I, I believe that impact was, you know, lasting and hopefully I can make more of that, but that's because I, I learned over time and being away from the space that my personality and what I did under the umbrella of X, Y, and Z websites was better and more important than the X, Y, and Z website that I was working at. It wasn't that I was, I was beholden to these things. It wasn't that these things made me. It was that these things definitely helped me become who I am. They're a part of the content creator that I became and who I am, but they weren't me. And the sooner you realize that and you start making content for yourself and you own that brand and you own your personality, I think you're going to go a lot farther, a lot farther than I ever did. And I think you're going to go a lot farther in being happy with the work that you put out 
knowing that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what brand's behind you because you are the brand. You are that person and you are what's going to sell whatever article, whatever video, whatever audio bit, anything that you want. You are that person. And I didn't realize that then. Um, I've, I've slowly come to realize that now. And that's just basically the intent of everything that I do right now is, is own it. There's not a tweet that you're going to see from me. I hope not at least that that is going to be really driven by anybody else's opinion. And and when I say something, I'm going to say it with authority because that's my brand and that's, that's what I believe in. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm hopefully not going to run into that brick wall anymore because that brick wall was, was one that, that beat the shit out of me. And I don't want to see it beat the shit out of anybody else, man, if I can help it. It's, it's vicious for sure. It, I, I have to say, I mean, you know, a big part of it for me it was just kind of the realization that conversations like this one, this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing this for, you know? Uh, this, this is how I want to spend my time. This is the type of, of friendship that I want in my life. This is fun for me. Yeah. If nobody listens to this, they will. <laughs> don't yeah. worry. Don't worry. Don't bail no. on me yet. Jesse no, Reese. no, it's cool. <laughs> this will get plenty of listens, but even if it didn't, yeah, I still feel like this is time well spent. And you know, I, it's, it's so hard to get to that point when, you know, when you do get on Twitter and you see, you know, you post the, the announcement, new episode of the Superflex super show, Jesse Reeves is back. And, and here are all the links to go listen to it. And then, you know, a couple people retweet it. And then you see some other BS podcast that just cropped up and, and, you know, from, uh, people who are just kind of trying to do the exact same. They're trying to be the footballers, yeah. for instance, or some something, which, you know what? Like, I, I, I don't even mean to demean that because if yeah. that's fun for you, do it. Yeah. It just gets frustrating when you see that tweet get, you know, 50 likes and retweets and, and like, it just kind of makes it feel like uh, they got some approval that you're not getting. Yeah. And, it, it that shit affects you it, it it affects it affects me anyways and so like just kind of that constant reminder and it does it takes time <laughs> you just got to get away from twitter sometimes yeah. like that's the key but just also just kind of reminding myself like i said this is how i choose to spend my time yeah it's not even that i'm necessarily trying to help people that's a great byproduct if that does happen and I get so many DMs of encouragement. I get so many DMs of, uh, of, you know, compliments from people saying, really enjoyed the episode. I got so much out of it. I, you know, it made me think, it made me pissed, whatever. Uh, and, and all of that is, is great. But honestly, like that's just bonus yeah. to me. Um, because all I really want to do is get on here, talk about what I want to talk about, the way I want to talk about it and, you know, kind of the way I look at the game, the way I play the game and the way I played the game, you know, before I became an analyst, like the things that I ran into when I was just a, just, just a dude, I wasn't super flex dude. I was just a dude yeah. trying to, trying to win my work league 
yeah. and wondering like, all right, so how the hell did like, what's, what's the process here? What's the pattern? Like, how do, how do you put this puzzle together? And now like, I, I kind of have that insight, but I still, that's, that's still the way I think about this game. And that's still the way I play this game. And that's still the, that's the way I want to talk about this game. If it resonates with people, man, that's awesome. You know, that means the world to me, but I'm going to do it either way. Yeah. I'm going to be here talking yeah. to you either way. Cause this is what I, this is just what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my time. Right. So you can't tell me that I don't belong in this community. You can't tell me that I don't belong on Twitter because at the end of the day, that's not what I'm trying to, that, I, I didn't even ask. I don't want an answer to that question. Cause I don't give a shit. Yeah. I want to be here doing my thing and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it should, again, I think it's, it's kind of, especially with Twitter, it's ego check yourself, man, check your ego at the door, do it because, um, in reality, like you said, when you post this podcast and it, you know, the, the regulars chime in and they're like, dude, great podcast. And then you see something else pop up and it does get that 50 likes. I think we just have to be able to reset ourselves and just be like, that's, that's cool. Like, that's awesome. Like, we should want to see new podcasts and other things, you know, exceed expectation. And for these people to all succeed, because the reality is we're all doing the same shit. The more light on it, the better, the more, because in in turn, if their podcast is really good, who knows what's going to be recommended under their feed. That could be your show. You never know what's, you know, what's going to happen. So don't shut yourself off to the opportunity and be mad about the successes of other people or be even remotely worried about it because it's none of your business, man. It's none of your business. (laughs) Like we're all doing the same shit. And yet like, and that's another part of like the Twitter, 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 the Twitter Mm -hmm. echo chamber that generally when we're speaking out on Twitter, we're 90% of the time I'm talking to other analysts that either agree with me or don't agree with me. The other 10% are concerned citizens that are like, should I really trade this player? Should I really be worried about this? And that's part of what the the traditional fantasy industry mold has instilled in us that like this Twitter space is so locked and loaded. And that when we speak, we're generally speaking to other people of the same caliber or uh, uh, of the same understanding of fantasy football as us. We're not speaking to the masses. And in turn, when we don't ego check ourselves, we're shutting ourselves off to the entirety of the rest of the world that are not on Twitter, that are not here to receive what it is that we're saying. When we could totally just stop that for a second, not worry about what Twitter's saying, go and create a 10 minute YouTube video that's going to be seen by potentially, hopefully, thousands of other people that didn't know you existed on Twitter that are not analysts that actually are going to want to chime in and know why you know what you what you know, how you know what you know. And if they can if you can further educate them, like the moment it starts becoming more about us and the analysis that we give and 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 how much better I can be than the next guy, we've already lost the fucking battle, man. We've lost it. We're done. We're done. We're not doing the service that we signed up for, which is going back to what you said which is having that joy and wanting to win your home league and beat your friends. And how do I play the game? How can I share this with other people? Because I think this is a really good piece of Intel that people would want to know. How can I, how can I spread this to the person that doesn't know it instead of sit here and argue with another guy that has 20,000 followers about how I'm wrong and he's right. 
because th- that person's already an analyst. They're going to have their own take. It, whatever that is, it's not appealing to anybody else. And then you end up in a Twitter feud. Then it's just it's just a bunch of bullshit. And that's that echo chamber on Twitter. And you've lost the battle if you find yourself there. You've lost the you've lost your way. You have deterred from the the goals that you've set for yourself you have wandered off the path of fun and creativity and now you are in a pissing contest with every other fantasy analyst on twitter around you to prove that you're worthy of being there i i know that because that was me that is what i did i tried to do it with as much integrity and kindness as possible I believe I've been in maybe enough Twitter feuds as I can handle or as I can count on one hand. I don't believe I've burned any bridges, but like that's that internal battle that you have with yourself when you and you find yourself in the mix of a competitive space and you don't check your ego because mm-hmm. you are no better than the guy to your left. You're no better than the guy to your right. You guys might have the same and or different opinions and that's okay, but you're not even reaching the people that you set out to reach in the first place. So what are, what are we doing? <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're doing nothing. We're just sitting here doing nothing. So like, just if you're listening to this right now and whether you're new or you're established in the space, take a little bit of what me and John are telling you right now and just check your ego. When you start typing out on those 200 and whatever characters they are, check your ego a little bit and put out fun, entertaining content that you love that you have used and that's actionable as John would say use that and build your brand around doing cool shit for cool people with cool people or around cool people, whatever cool people you're around, just do it with cool people. Just do cool shit, man. That's the motto for the rest of your do cool shit and love the cool shit that you're doing and bring in as many other cool people to share that with as you can, because that's what it's about. That's what I've loved about this space. That's what I've lost sight on of. That's what I've lost sight of. And that's what ultimately drew me to have those self expectations and build that brick wall, brick by brick of every single thing that I thought was success. And it's just not man. Your successes are when you are able to post something and people are just like, man, I honestly don't even care what you said. It's how you said it. You're an incredible person. I love the things that you do. I find so much more joy and uh, joy and success in that than writing a 2000 word article and having it be a 10 out of 10 hit on all the players. I would rather miss on every single player than write something and just try and compete with somebody else, man. I'm, I'm done with that part of my life. I'm done with that part of my fantasy career. So I'm coming at 2022 with nothing but love, passion, and intent with my creative ability in this space. And if you're listening to this and you've made it this far, I highly advise that you do that, especially you new guys, man. Um, Cause this place can be brash and it can fucking suck sometimes, man. It yeah. really can. I'm sorry. I'm dropping a lot of F bombs on the podcast. I'm sorry. Ah, that's, that's, that's just right. my we'll, style, man. We'll um, put some warning or something. Yeah. It, can, it, yes. Yeah. It, I, I should come with a warning label. Explicit language warning. Yes. Uh, this is a, this is a very personal, very, yes. uh, uh, emotionally charged, emotionally yes. driven, uh, episode of the super show and i I think people will understand that and real quick too i want to give um because we're on the subject of just like owning your brand and owning your content and everything um i i do if my follower list is going to come up right now um i do want to give 
a little bit of uh, a shout out to somebody who I think, because this is a perfect time that I, I just, I, I want to give a shout out to somebody that I think does, does this to a T and I've never interacted with this person. I only know them from the content that they've done, but like, if you can kind of embody what this person is doing, this is, this is the path, man. This is cool. Um, his name on Twitter is at Lord. Don't lose his name's it, in his, in his name is Lawrence Jackson jr. And every piece of, of content that I've, I've run into that Lawrence has posted is unapologetically him. He is not, he's loosened the suit and tie of, of the fantasy industry. He, he has a creative way and he speaks from the heart when he makes a piece of content and every piece of content that I've seen from him I just I, I I haven't seen a bad one and or one that that I've just been like, oh, I'm going to skip over because it doesn't matter what he's saying. It's how he's saying it and the intent behind it. And he comes with passion, comes with love. And he's funny, man. Just the things that he says are just just the, his outlook on sports and fantasy in general. He just has this fresh twist on everything that he does. And he just he, he's true to himself. And I can feel that through his content. Um, Lawrence, if you're listening to this by any chance, and and I know we haven't interacted, man, but I just want to give you a little bit of high praise because, um, you are you are someone that I I, I admire in this space right now, and um and I, I believe you're kind of embodying what me and John here are talking about here right now in just being who you are and taking your content and owning your content and your personality with it, and and Lawrence kind of does that perfectly, um. Right. And and yeah, that that's just kind of back to the point. I just kind of wanted to shout him out because if you are listening to this, go look him up, go look at his content. Uh, it's it's just incredible, man. And that's that's the blueprint, man. Because I don't think he's he's creating it for anybody else that's not himself, man. He, he, he I've seen a couple of videos of him recording a video in his car, and it's like you could tell that he just had that thought on the spot, and he hit record, and he just let it fly, and he posted it because that was something that was true to him. And that was his brand. That was his personality. And that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what I'm kind of preaching at right now. And um, if you can do that, man, you're, you're winning. You're winning. Yep. And if you have a filter with stuff like that, you're not winning. If you're, if, if there's any hesitation, you're doing this wrong. If you're not having fun with it, you're doing exactly. it wrong. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just gonna like, this is, this episode's going to be like a mantra for me. Like I try not to go back and listen to my own stuff too much. Uh, I, I just end up being way too critical of myself. And again, like that's not what we're trying to do. We're yeah. just having some fun. We're it's just hard being though. It's human easily, beings. Yeah, it's easy <laughs> to be critical of yourself, man. I'm, yeah. I still am. I'll, I'll do a video and it'll take me 50 takes before I feel comfortable with it because I'm, I, I want it to, excuse me, I want it to be good. I want it to be fun and I want to have that. So, but I'm always hypercritical of myself when it comes to my own content. So I, I feel you there. I hate listening to myself on podcasts. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to do. It is. Yeah. It's sometimes for quality control, I do it, but this one I'm going to, I'm going to go back and listen to, especially this last 40 minutes or so. Uh, I, that I'm going to listen to that one several times. I can guarantee you that. Uh, it's, it's going to be a really weird transition here. Um, but I know that we're over time. I, uh, I want to respect your time and, uh, get you out of here so you can, uh, go do your, uh, just say you're sick of me, John. It's okay. You just tell me you're sick of me and you're done with my rants, you know, never, never, (laughs) ever. (laughs) Um, but, uh, also for 
those who are still listening, um, we can give them just a little bit more fantasy football mm. content here before we wrap it up. So, uh, I, uh, I hear that you also have, you had a, an action item for us right up front. Uh, I hear that you also have a bold prediction for us. So Jesse, Yessie, <laughs> soft J show us your nuts. All right, man. Big ones, big ones here. And I'm going to stay true to myself, man. I'm going to stay true to myself here. And I'm just going to, I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to lay it on the table. And I'm going to say right now that Kadarius Tony has a path to top 12 wide receiver production in 2022. Hey, I I told you it was going to be, it was going to be a big one. Now I I might've sounded a little conservative there. So let's just put, let's just, Put the nuts on the table and let's say he's going to do it. Okay. Now, hmm. where I'm at right now is Kadarius Tony is going to be a top 12 wide receiver, finished top 12 wide receiver next year, this year, 2022. And I firmly believe this because he has shown flashes of really, really good efficiency. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of um, circle back here with my yards per route run um, data set that I have right now. Over the past, couple years i think in 2020 i had released a study on yards per route run as a singular efficiency metric that that not only captures uh, efficiency really really well probably the best right now as a singular metric but it also has a lot of predictability when it comes to fantasy now i established a bunch of thresholds and um within this study we have found that um out of 122 wide receivers the average yards per route run and i'm I'm going to go on a little bit of psychoanalytical babble here. So tune in Um, the average yards per route run in this sample uh, was 1.59 amongst all rookie wide receivers spanning from 2010. So excuse me, 2009, all the way to 2021. So about 13 seasons I have of data on yards per route run. Now here's where I'm going to kind of back Kadarius Tony here in this, in this sample, we have 102 rookie wide receivers, an average of 1.59 yards per route run in the entire sample. Okay. Now throw some success rates at you wide receivers in this sample to exceed the average are 62, which hits about 50 50%, 51%. 50%, 51%. Uh, wide receivers who exceed the average yards per route run and hit a top 24 season is 40, which sits at about 60, um, which sits at about, that percentage is wrong. I don't have that right in front of me. Um, oh, excuse me. Of those 62, so the wide receivers who exceeded the average and did hit a top 24 season is about 64%. So about 40 of that 60 that exceeded went on to have a top 24 season. Now, wide receivers who exceeded the average and hit a top 12 season out of those 62 was 24, about 38%. Strong odds that a wide receiver who hits the average of yards per route run, that one, who ex- exceed that 1.59 yards per route run, are going to go on to have, at the very least, a top 24 fantasy season. 64% of, of, of these players go on to have a top 24 fantasy season. Now, wide receivers in the sample who did not exceed the average about 50%, which is another 60, okay? Wide receivers who did not exceed the average and hit a top 24 fantasy season, only 10. 16% of the wide receivers who did not hit the average went on to have a top 24 season, and only three who did not exceed the average of 1.59 yards per route run went on to have a top 12 fantasy season, Devontae Adams being one of those. I believe DeAndre Hopkins was one of those as well. Um, Just prolific guys. Um, now where we start to differentiate, and I know I'm getting long winded. I'm sorry, you guys, but no, where we start to differ, 
where we start to differentiate um, the the elite tier of wide receivers is when we we narrow the threshold to two yards per route run in the sample. We start to see the absolute elite of players kind of show up. And for reference, guys who have exceeded the two yards per route run um, in their rookie season are guys like um, Hakeem Nix, Des Bryant, uh, excuse me, not Des Bryant, uh, Hakeem Nix, Doug Baldwin, AJ Green, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, um, Tyreek Hill, and Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, um, AJ Brown, Hunter Renfro, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel. I'm sure you guys are understanding a trend here. Look what Debo Samuel did last year. Hunter Renfro did last year. AJ Brown has continued to do. And the names that came before that, highly prolific, right? Okay, so when we narrow that sample to two yards per route run for the 2021 class, there's only two wide receivers that exceeded two yards per route run this season as a rookie. I'm sure you guys can guess that one of them was Jamar Chase. The other one is Kadarius Tony. Okay. Jalen Waddle. Kadarius Tony did it? Wow. Kadarius Tony exceeded two yards, 2.1 to be exact, yards per route run. Yeah. Now, of all the wide receivers in this sample, he had the lowest target share, he had the, excuse me, target total, and he also had the lowest yards, excuse me, lowest routes run comparative. Obviously, he only played in 10 games, a lot of which he was injured. But when he was on the field and when he was running those routes, he was extremely efficient. Now, I don't know if it's if it's the way that coaches see efficiency in the NFL based on the eye test or how they do it. But these players that exceed that two yards per route run go on to score and generally be in the, the, the top 24 and top 12 fantasy seasons pretty steady. Right. So wide receivers who do exceed that 2.0 yards per out run um, out of 23 who have exceeded it in the sample, 19, 82 percent have gone on to have a top 24 season and 14, 60 percent have gone on to have a top 12 fantasy season. Now, Kadarius Tony circling back, he will finish as a top 12 wide receiver. Looking at these metrics based on the past 13 years, there is a very, very high probability to be exact a, uh, an, at the, on the low end, an 82% chance that Kadarius Tony will hit top 24 and a 60% chance that he will end up in the top 12 in fantasy season or in, in fantasy wide receivers this upcoming year or the year beyond that as well. So yards per route run is giving us a strong signal to buy Kadarius Tony right now based on the efficiency metrics that he had last year. And he is one of a very elite group of only 23 players that have exceeded that average over the last 13, excuse me, exceeded that, that threshold over the last 13 years. So I'm buying Kadarius Tony and I think he's going to finish as a top 12 wide receiver and I'm fully invested in him. Man, I I mean, I was obviously going to say, yeah, you're nuts. And and I mean, I think that a, a big hang up for people is obviously, you know, it's a quarterback play like that. Yes. Um, but I mean, I, we've we've heard from many, many sources in many, many different ways that essentially the quarterback play really doesn't 
matter that much for wide receivers, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem to with Kadarius Tony either. It, I think we're going to attribute it more to injury and whatever it is that, I mean, we can, I don't think it was quarterback play because from what we see here is that on 53 targets, he had 420 yards and on 39 receptions. And in that he was averaging over two yards per route run. And he has the least amount of routes run. So what that tells me is for him to be in that, yes, small sample size, but there's enough there because I did lower the thresholds for wide receivers in their rookie year that had over 50 targets. So I think 50 is a good threshold to be like, okay, that's a good amount of volume right there, especially in a rookie season for us to kind of get a a good sample size on what these wide receivers are doing. And it's just, it's clear to me that he was extremely efficient with his volume. He is a very, very good player. And whether that quarterback play and that scheme around him develops, he will continue to develop with that because he was already very efficient with bad quarterback play and bad scheme on a bad team. So if they elevate that even a degree, we're looking at a Kadarius Tony potential breakout season. And I'm perfectly comfortable throwing them on the table and saying that that's going to happen. Yeah, man. I I love stuff like this anyways. Like this is, this is kind of like a combination of, of like statistical probabilities and just like a narrative, which is my, that like, that's my love language when it comes to fantasy football. Like I'm a sucker for a good narrative. And that's kind of what we have here. You know, we're kind of talking about like, this is, this you know if this happens it's predictive in this way you know that's that's the type of stuff that uh that i'm i'm all about so where like i said i was i was ready to tell you how nuts you are but uh with that type of with that type of process with that type of um statistical reinforcement i'm i'm all for it uh i'm not even gonna call you nuts for that (laughs) one i'll take it Man, I like it. Okay. Uh man, all right. We need to wrap this up. We've gone we've gone too long. And I mean, like I could I could just talk with you forever. I was gonna say, Jeff, man, John, you know, I got all the time in the world, baby. I yeah. got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. For the I, viewer's sake though, I, I understand. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll just uh I mean, we'll just I all this means is we need to do this again yes. soon, you know. Yeah. We're going to leave a lot on the table here. So we need to, we, we just need to meet up again and get back on the mic again together, uh, kind of as soon as possible. And we'll do yeah, that. Absolutely. We'll do that. Now that you're back and, uh, I just feel like I have that access to you. I'm, I'm going to take full advantage of it just so absolutely. you know. Absolutely. <laughs> but not before you lay your nuts on the table and you tell us what you, what the nutty kind of take from you is right. Right. Oh. Are you going to lay one on me right now? Man, I didn't actually prepare one. Okay, okay, um, <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to call you out. I just thought, you know, I thought we maybe you were gonna you were gonna be like, okay, you're nuts, but I got a nutty one for you. That's okay. We can get to it next time. That's all right. That's a good call. I I should really be like, if I'm gonna ask my guests to do this, I should really be prepared to do it myself. So going forward, I'll do that. I do feel like you know, right up front, saying sell Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Like I think that a lot of people. Uh, present company obviously excluded, but a lot of people definitely would have told me I'm nuts. And in fact, I've got Peter Howard coming on the show next week. I thought about saving that one for him, 
because that's the perfect way to get him tuned up right mm-hmm. at the beginning of an episode. Oh yeah. And just let the sparks fly. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I felt like I might have a little bit safer audience with that one uh, yeah. in this episode. It turns out I, I got that right. I'll find other ways to get Peter Howard all, all pissed off. There's <laughs> many ways, many, many ways. <laughs> promise yeah yeah and him and i just we we've found pretty much all the buttons so uh yeah we'll we'll get into it for sure but uh so for the time being though it was nice to have a nice civil discussion with you you know a very therapeutic type of discussion and more than anything man just to have you back it's so good. And also it's just really refreshing that like here I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this thing up by saying, you know, follow him at Jesse Reeves FF. And then where I would normally be like, yeah. And then, you know, you find the articles here and the rankings here, here's the podcast. There's none of that because uh, you know, it, you're, that's not your path, at least yeah. not at the moment. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're just doing your thing as Jesse Reeves FF and uh that's you know that's that's we'll see where story. it takes me we'll see where exactly. it takes me if it takes me somewhere awesome if it doesn't i'll we're take gonna... it somewhere you know <laughs> <laughs> you know so we're gonna follow the path either way exactly. jesse jesse reeves ff so good to have you back man yeah. and like i said we'll uh we'll do this again real soon yeah no thank you for uh for for listening thank you for having me on man i really do appreciate it and um yeah, I'm excited. We'll, we'll get back here in a couple weeks or something, man. Whenever your schedule frees up and you uh, you, you decide you want to have a long-winded fantasy analyst on here to talk a bunch <laughs> of nonsense, then we'll get back to it. But more than anything, man, uh, thank you for lending me your platform, and um, and I appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Love you, brother. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Get do us a huge favor rate and review the super show if you haven't already just helps me to get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you my super friends uh get at me on twitter at superflex show at superflex dude and uh this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james the brain Catullius. thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexy.